because I was a good Christian girl and I don't think I did enough drugs or got into enough trouble oh, to have a didn't have a good time. redemption story. Right. Hello and welcome to Holy Ghosting Podcast, a podcast by three 40-year-old moms who left the evangelical church. I'm Lindsay, senior warden at a very liberal Episcopal church in Portland, Oregon. I'm Meg, and I am completely detached from American Christian evangelical culture, but I have no idea where to go from there. And I'm Sarai, and I'm a witch, but I will tell you I'd reconvert in a heartbeat if someone gave me an altar call at a camp and then gave me a job at camp until I die. Amen. Well, today we're talking about camp, baby. So we're going to launch into all the cringiest wonderfulest, worshipiest moments of camp. We we all grew up going to camp, at least us three ladies. I don't know about you listeners, but Christian camp is a whole, it's a whole thing. It's a vibe. It's if you haven't been, I don't know that you will fully understand. Like anyone who's been to Christian camp, it is different than other camps. It is not about dating. It's not even really about like crafts. Like some camps have like rope courses, those kinds of things, but it was about God. It was about your relationship with God and getting right with God, rededicating your life to God, so on and so forth. This was my camp experience. I'm an evangelical pastor's kid, and I frankly feel like I was born into camp. My dad was a youth pastor when I was younger. And in fact, so the story goes, he was leading uh, like a high school camp the week before I was born. And in fact, my due date happened and he was at some camp in the mountains that had like, you know, this is before I was born in 81. So this is before cell phones and all that. And so like my parents just prayed that I would be born late so that my dad wouldn't miss my birth because God forbid he missed camp to be home with his very pregnant wife. So I was patient and I was born the day my dad got home from camp. It literally feels like my whole life <laughs> has been has been camp. I remember going, my dad was a youth pastor. Sometimes we go as a family. I remember the camp we went to when we were younger. So I grew up in, in different parts of Northern California, but the one that we went to when I was young was called Heavenly Hills. And I remember my mom had this very classic 80s sweatshirt from Heavenly Hills camp. And she got so offended one time when a guy was like, looked at her a sweatshirt as like in this 80s font written across her chest. And he was like, oh, Heavenly Hills, huh? And so that's why like, the name of that camp was like burned into my yes. brain. I think my mom- like, That's gorgeous. Yeah, gorgeous. she stops. Well, she didn't follow the rule of no, don't grow boobs. Yeah. Right, yes. And she was like, very embarrassed you. <laughs> so I think the sweatshirt was not worn after that point. So what kind of camp did you go to? Was it a summer, winter? Like, was it the same time frame every year? All of the above. But the one that is like burned into my brain is the week-long camp we would go to in high school. And youth groups from all around the Northern California area would converge. And of course it was like, there was cute new boys. There was like new people to make friends with. There was, it was like, you know, like I'd exhausted the resources of my own little youth group. So funny enough, my current priest, her husband and I went to church camp together. What? And Stop it. Yeah. That's it's, it's kind of wild, but I had a crush on him when I was like 15 years old and we all had dinner together this week. I was trying to remember this camp that we went to. Cause as I recall, like, our camp did not have a pool. There was not a lake. There's not a river. There wasn't a ropes course. Like literally. I'm sorry, was... Lindsay. Let, um, let me just pause for a moment. Those are all places where bathing suits. Correct. Right. Would happen. Yep. So mm -hmm. I get it. Yeah. No bathing suits were happening. So I just remember there was like cabins that we stayed in. 
There was a, like a lot of like Bible studies and worship. There were some games. Like I remember tug of war would yes. happen. There's like a basketball court. I just remember like in between all the like required Bible study times, there was like some free time. I just remember kind of being bored and I was like dusty and we we're in the woods, you know? <laughs> and like, and then, you know, we'd all come together for dinner. And then after dinner was the big outside, they'd make a campfire. And that's when it was the Holy Spirit, which worship was. time. It was altar call. It was testimony time. And that was like testimonies where I could still feel like the smell of that campfire. And it's funny, like preparing for this episode, I kept getting the song. Do you guys remember as the deer panteth for the water? I love that song. (laughs) Harmonizing around a campfire. Because we weren't like a kumbaya camp. We were as the deer panteth for the water camp. I do remember like one real, you know, progressive thing our camp did is they, they would sing help by the Beatles, but we were like singing it to God. Obviously. I love that. <laughs> so, I love that. Yeah. So, I mean, I got my first boyfriend at camp. We didn't kiss at camp because I was definitely not allowed. That happened later at a water park, but we <laughs> lived close enough and we were 15. So our parents had to like drive us to see each other, but I met him at camp. Like it was, it was very formative for me. And it's interesting because I have as we all do, very mixed feelings, not even mixed, very strong feelings about evangelicalism, but I don't necessarily have those feelings about camp. While while I view camp as pretty manipulative and intense, yeah. just like indoctrinating children, right? But it was also really fun and bonding. I, do you Did you guys have those experiences at camp? What's your top camp like memory off the top of your head? Like what's what's your quintessential camp experience? Oh my god, I have so many of them. Do you do you have some Meg that are coming to you? Because if you I do, yeah. Okay, so you go first. When we were preparing for today, I was like, "What's the thing about camp that I will not ever regret? I love camp for it. I want to have like the positive vibes. It's where I lusted after a boy for the first time, and that boy happens to be my husband. <laughs> yeah. So this is like our. Well, my start to the our story, he did not know I existed at camp. This was a summer camp and it was a denominational camp. And so kids from all these denominations from around central California would go to this camp. And there was a boy from my rival town. And by rival town, I mean like high school football team rival. <laughs> so when you go to church camp, you're obviously rivals with the youth group from <laughs> the other town. Their boys are way cuter than the boys that live in my town. Yeah. So there were these brothers and they were so hot. I think I was either an eighth grader going into high school because it was a high school camp or it was the summer after my freshman year. I was, I don't know, fresh eyed, like naive. I was just like, yay, camp. And then we played mud pit tug of war. And oh boy. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Mud pit tug of war meant same with Lindsay. We did not have a pool. There was not swimsuit opportunities. There was no lake. Do you remember what camp you went to? No. I know. I was trying to remember the other day. I think it was I think mine was Mount Hermit. Because I'm just wondering, I was like, did we go to the same camp? (gasps) I know. I'm like, did we end up at the same? Did you go south? Because we went north. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we went south. So maybe we ended up at the same weird tug of war, no amazing Christian camp. (laughs) I literally, wait, so can we pause for one second? Because I do need to make this clear connection 
that the camp that I most loved is Mount Hermon. I worked at Ponderosa Lodge for three summers and uh, literally loved every second of my life in Mount Hermon. So carry on, pause. I will come back to this conversation. It sounds like you were at Redwood Camp. <laughs> what? Okay. I went to so many, I visited so many different ones throughout the years with our family that I just can't remember the name of the one that was like the high school camp that I went to. I remember going to Sugar Pine for winter camp because it would sometimes snow. Like we didn't always get snow at winter camp, but I cannot remember the summer camp place because it was different. We went different places my roommate in college, it was from Big Bear, California, like the mountains mm -hmm. of Southern California. And she wrote me into being a camp counselor for like a weekend or something like that. And we went and it's like on this gorgeous lake and they have all these fun water activities and like this really epic mm -hmm. camp. And I was like, oh, I did not know that it could be like this. Like this is, I was like, this is good. Like this is a fun place to go. I think a lot of people in California did end up going to Hume. Yes. Lake. Yes. And that's a, I don't know, I considered it bougie. It was like more expensive. Yeah, which is why I think we had we all of the stuff you could legendary. do. Yeah, yeah. And families go there. And I mean, I knew families that like they would take their summer trips and get a cabin at Hume Lake. And, you know, because it was open, it wasn't just youth groups. But I did not go to Hume Lake. We did not have water sports of any kind. But we did have mud pit tug of war. They also played volleyball in this pit. Like, apparently mud pits were the only option. <laughs> Which is funny because, like, it is kind of sexy, like, inherently, right? Oh, my God. Uh, Adults planned this. So, like, the jello pit, like, like girls wrestling in a pit that has stuff in it. Did that, that happen at your camp? That did not happen. No, but I'm just saying that's, like, a weird adult <laughs> fantasy that, like, teenage girls are, like, muddy and... Right. Yeah. I don't know. You think of like the counselors there and no offense to Rye, but these 20 something year olds who didn't have other jobs, but their jobs were like, let's be around mud pit tug of war teenagers. I, there were a lot of like 20 something year old guys that were counselors. Oh yeah. And all the campers had crushes on them. Right. Cause they were all like hot 20 something and you're a teenager and yeah. I mean, Sarai, you could probably speak to this more, but it's like that camp mindset. Like it's a culture that you buy into. I don't even necessarily think it's creepy. I don't think that they're there to like hit on young campers. It's literally just you buy into the entire. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. speaking from experience. Someone is there for the wrong reasons. Oh, it's <laughs> not so much 20 somethings macking on like teenage girls. It's all of the counselors always finding ways to have crushes on each other, hook up or whatever. Not not P and V hookup necessarily, although that probably happens sometimes. And, not down, you know, scandal, no touching. But yeah, definitely. Uh, counselors are like all of my camp memories from working there in my twenties are not about like oh I had this wonderful connection with my cabin and I did. I I mean I have a a great deal of those kinds of memories, but the main things I think about are like just the friends I had, and we're all still largely still connected and you know, ping each other through Facebook Messenger now and then and things like that. So kind of a funny thing, but I just will tell you that counselors are more into counselors that I knew, the ones I knew. <gasps> that said, there was a guy from Germany who worked at my camp the first summer I was there. And the rumor was he was asked to leave because he was like totally hitting on teenage girls. And so Bingo. they're like, oh, bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, I called it. We There's always one creep. 
Hey, yeah. at least they let him go and didn't cover it up. I mean, I'll give him yeah. that. That's like I think they probably covered it up and let him go, but like whatever. I wouldn't know if they were covering it up. I mean, they didn't tell the high schoolers that shit. Right. Like, right? They, they weren't know. like, there was a dangerous person here. Yeah. yeah. But we would get a new batch of campers every week. So, you know, the memory was short. You like the lived there? Yeah. So can I just start at the very beginning? Because it's a very good that. place to start. But the first year I went to camp was when I was going into fifth grade. And the Oregon Conference of the Free Methodist Church for a while was renting out this camp called Camp Kilowan. Uh, and it was a Girl Scout camp. You know, it was rustic, but nice. And we had like great cabins and we did a lot of gimping. Did anyone else do gimping? Mm -mm. It's um, it's that thing no where there's that. like those long, flattish pieces of plastic that are like kind of ropey. And then you fold them together and you make like keychains. I'll find a picture. I'll show you. Yeah, I'll like friendship bracelet, like. keychain. I did. That was called gimping. Oh, yeah. I did like lanyard making. Yeah. Yeah. But you I were probably more politically correct. We just called it gimping. I don't know why it was called oh, that. Yeah, no, I know. With, with the thin, it was like flat plastic. That, yeah. yeah, definitely crafted with. The, definitely those. crafted. Yeah, did not yeah. have an ableist name for it, though. Did you make wow. the salvation bracelets, too? I remember those uh -huh. um, with the beads, like black for sin, red for black. Yeah. You know, like there was like five Can colors. we make these? I would yeah, love I, this. I'm gonna make Let's do it. Or, um, but we need to rename each of the color beads mm -hmm. for like not you're going to hell reasons. <laughs> I vote we rewrite the entire Petra song that basically is based on those bracelets. It sounds oh, like the color red is the color of the blood that flows from okay, your vagina song where the salvation bracelet. <laughs> but red is for menstrual blood. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> That's right. Okay. We'll Where rewrite we it the as women a outside of the village. That's going to be the name of a future episode. Red yeah. is for menstrual blood. <laughs> oh my God. I would love, love to talk a lot about periods because the first time I ever got my period was at camp also. So fifth oh. grade, I was like, I went, I didn't go when I was going into fourth grade, which I could have done, but I was like, meh, none of my friends will be there. And then I went in fifth grade and I literally was like, how has this been kept from me this whole time? Like camp was absolutely my natural habitat. So mm. I was stoked on it and loved camp like obsessively. Um, so a couple of things that were common themes there were that like we had very strict segregation between like the boy side and the girl side. So if you ever went to the boy side, you would be executed. Girl cabins were over here, boy cabins yeah, were over same. there. And yeah, was near the twain shall they meet. And then by the time I was going into seventh grade, I was really mad because the way that they used to do middle school camp was they would all go to this place called Drift Creek. But we got real cheap and somehow always ended up going to this other camp in Southern Oregon in Glendale called Fur Point. And in Fur Point, it was way dusty. It was like red dust too. So your shoes would get ruined and the dust was, I liked it. I liked being grubby and dirty. I was like very much a let's go to literally like go live in the dirt for a week and not clean ourselves unless we're in the pool. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was, I see, I specifically remember like waiting in line for like a shower because there was only a couple of them and like, well, you were trying, there for the boys. Yes. Trying to get my situation. Mm -hmm. I remember because it right. was like the nineties. I remember having my white eyeliner <gasps> and like, yeah. You were so, so cool in the nineties. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I was not I didn't know what to do with curly hair. I was more like Sarai. Like I just was fine being the dirt. 
I mean, one of my best camp stories that my friends still talk about is when I killed a rattlesnake outside of the girls' cabins. What? That okay. is. That was badass, my friend. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Everyone was screaming. And my biggest fear is snakes. And I have been doing things my whole life to try to like, you know, exposure and like get over it. It's called Indiana these Jones. Girls, they're like, get a boy, get a boy. And I was like, we're not helpless. Like there's a rock yeah. right here. Oh my so God. I just went and took these giant rocks and like trapped it. Dude, I cannot. And then I chopped its head off. <gasps> Meg, you are a warrior. Um, and can at I the time, someone had run to get a boy. Okay. And the boy came and he was like, not sure it's dead. Because I didn't like chop, chop its head off. I just like kind of well, When you chop their head off, they still move. Like I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. I was like 14 or 15 or something. <laughs> But this guy came with a shovel and he chopped the head off and then he chopped the tail off and he like picked up the tail to like put it in his pocket. And all these girls were like, uh, no, sir. She is the one that killed it. Give her the rattle. She gets to walk around. And I was really shy, but my friends made me wear it like on the outside of my pants. You know, like you could hear it. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's like. That is. So I was infamous. I don't. No one knew my we, name. Did we turn that into a – was that like used as a sermon illustration about like the devil or anything? Because that feels like a real missed opportunity if not. Like a, a real life David and Goliath story but with a girl and a rattlesnake. Yeah. But with a girl and a rattlesnake. Well, it was about a girl. So. Oh, right. Yeah. So that's okay. We're going to glorify it. <laughs> right. I forgot. I for That was a crazy question. No, I, I was the rattlesnake girl and no one knew my name. Yeah. And I was kind of like, well, that's fine. I want to talk about testimonies because that was a real problem for me because I was a good Christian girl and I don't think I did enough drugs or got into enough trouble oh, to have a didn't have a good song. redemption story. Right. And so it was like every night, you know, people come down and they were telling their stories about getting saved. And I was just like, well, my dad's a pastor and I was literally born into this. So that was one thing where I always felt like weirdly left out. Like I think I had a little bit of persecution complex about it. Like, uh, my life has been too charmed, and so I don't have anything to say. And it was decidedly not cool to go down there and just be like, I've lived a good life, and I love the Lord. You had no Job story. No. Did you guys – do you remember that? Did you have that feeling? Well, wait. First it's off, fun. back up. Did you do these ev – you said you did these, like, every night after dinner, like, evening service? It's like, the, the more quiet, contemplative yeah. worship. And I feel like the daytime, there was funny skits and stuff, but at night, it was like, it was time to get real – to get it's right serious. with the Lord. And there were some altar calls too, but it was like, I think it started with testimonies. It mm -hmm. was like people came down to share their stories. And in fact, also this is, I feel like this is my craziest camp story. So I have this very distinct memory of this girl one year. Let's call her Maddie. It's not her real name. I hadn't met her at camp before. It was from a different youth group. She goes down and she tells this really intense story. It was like about her mom committing suicide. Oh, and it was like a lot. And she was crying. And we all surrounded her. And we prayed over her. And then she kind of became thick as thieves with our youth group for us. Like we like brought her into the fold. And we were like hanging. Oh, was her. she from a different church? Mm -hmm. We didn't know her. But it was like, we're going to accept you. Come find out. End of the week. She had made it all up. She lied. And I can't remember, it was like some other kid like from her youth group was like, that's not, like none of it was true. Like her mom's alive and well? Yeah, something. Or, or maybe she just like lives with her dad or parents had separated or something, you know. And we were so 
upset. I mean, I remember it was a scandal. It was a big deal. And I was just like, we have yeah. trade. So, you know, we turned so quickly on her and we, you know, there was like a confrontation, but it was mostly just like, get out. You are not my friend anymore. You are a liar. How, how dare you abuse the testimony? And looking back, I actually have some guilt about it because I'm like, this entire system is set up to make you feel loved and accepted for having a really gnarly story. Mm. And the redemption sure that, is better. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure that girl just wanted attention and she wanted love and she wanted acceptance and modeled night after night for her is people doing the same, coming up with wilder stories or about whatever. Maddie, wherever you are, I feel bad. I didn't even know her last name. You know, I know her first name. There's no way to find her. And who knows? Like, lying isn't cool. Like, I don't think, like, doing that wasn't the right thing. But why did she lie? Like, what was happening in her life that she needed that kind of support and couldn't talk about the thing? Right. And it just makes me think back to those times and just, like, the sheer pressure that was being put on children to be a certain way and to have these stories. And, like, it's, like, the further you fall, you know, the Mm -hmm the farther you're lifted up. And so it's this glorious, you know, God can redeem anything. And, and while there, it can be some beauty to that, to only have that be the thing modeled night after night, it really clearly messed with some people. So if I may, I think one of the big reasons for that is a central point of evangelical Christianity that has made all of us suffer is the glorification of suffering. The idea that to be a good person or to be a good Christian, that suffering is not just a part of it, but it's required or that suffering makes us better that we will, we're earning jewels in our crown Mm. for heaven. And that is what, what the really a huge central focus of evangelical Christianity is, is suffer now and then go to heaven and it'll be okay. I mean, to me, I suspect a lot of that is about making it okay to be poor or sick or, you know, with a disability or whatever it might be in your current life and not about how do we help people make a better life here, but rather mm-hmm. why don't we wait until heaven? And mm-hmm. so suffering mm-hmm. is good. And that's one, I would also argue that, I mean, sorry, now I'm arguing. Wow. <laughs> oh man. I don't, I mean, I'm just thinking, I think another big part of that too is a reason why evangelicals and Republicans mix well is that they're not necessarily like, let's make better public policy that helps more people. They're like, yeah, but suffering is important and necessary. And also these people don't deserve anything because they're sinners. Why should my tax dollars go to pay for somebody? They should go to church and get saved. Then they'll be worthy of help. I mean, to me, that's probably a big reason why those testimonies are like a reflection of the kind of suffering that we reward and want people to experience and or we want ourselves to experience and subject ourselves to that as a part of that whole framework. And I also think that evangelicalism chases the high, the high Mm -hmm. of the community, the like God saved us from this stuff. And so I think it's like the testimony, like the darker it is, the higher the high of like, but we have overcome, God fixed it we're good, you know? And so I think that like the thing about camp was the high, right? And that it was, oh, it was addictive. It yeah. was like, that's why we kept going back because like the feelings you felt of like, I'm not a crier, like Meg knows this. I, I, like, I don't cry a whole lot. It's you don't hug, you don't cry. We, we love you. <laughs> but at camp, no you're just like, hey. but you let it all go. It was what you're saying. Yeah. You wanted to feel those feelings and it was rewarded. If you weren't feeling those feelings, there was something wrong with you and you weren't letting the Lord in. 
the vulnerability that happened at camp. I mean, I remember my brother and I had a very cathartic camp altar session together because our parents had gotten divorced. We didn't go to counseling, which I've talked about. There was no mourning the loss of our nuclear family never happened, but it happened for us at an altar call at a church camp. And we cried together. Like he held me, I held him. It is one of the most bonding moments, I think, probably of our life. And I don't know if we would have had it if we had not had the freedom to be vulnerable. Seeing my brother cry, Hmm. I mean, thinking about it makes me well up because he just, you know, he was caught into this misogynistic worldview that just said men don't cry. Men don't have emotions. You're strong. You're the man of the house now. And he was a fucking kid. I appreciate the vulnerability that happens. I think when you're amongst your peers, you know, yes, there's adults there, but the kids totally outweigh that. Um, We're all there for kind of like the same reason, I guess. Yeah. And we allow that vulnerability to happen during an altar call or like at camp. I was thinking about this in relationship to the mental health episode and where we talked about altar calls and this sort of give and take that we didn't have in those where it's just like people are doing their best to guess. They're like kind of coming up or supporting you. You're crying. They're like, whatever we, yep. We're not going to ask you questions about this, but there is a different thing that happens at camp because you're away from everything. You're in a place where you're kind of just having fun. You're allowed to be a kid or whoever you are. Like camp was so great for me because I was just a weirdo and I loved doing stupid stuff just to do it. And like, it was fun and hilarious and, It was great. But like that whole part, I also probably extra liked it because I wasn't around my peers that much because I was homeschooled. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the the way that that is different is like this testimony piece and this sort of catharsis piece. We did not have therapy. We didn't believe in it or whatever. But camp in a lot of ways is just inherently therapeutic because you're away from one week a year. You get to go to therapy. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, not, and that's not the best therapy, not therapy that actually helps you. Like, oh, no. that's the thing that's so interesting about a lot of our young experiences and evangelicalism. Like, there are good things to it. There are some underlying, like, Meg, you're saying, like, something really beautiful came of that. And the vulnerability piece, I think, in, when I was younger, is the only time where I really felt free to be vulnerable yeah. and to cry and to appear weak. Cause I always was like, I have to appear strong. Everyone in the world was like crambling around me and I had to be strong for everybody else. And that was just sort of the way I got through. But yeah, it can't felt different. I have really mixed feelings and I have some very positive feelings. And I did, I made some really good friends and it was fun. Like, especially because my dad was like, he was like Mr. Camp. He would go to the high school camp that I would go to. It wasn't like I was escaping my parents for. Oh yeah, that's a totally different. But he was like cool. Like my dad was funny and everyone I can't. So in some ways I was like Greg Strandigan's daughter. Like yeah. I was cool by default because my dad was cool and he let all the funniest skits or whatever. Like he was like the king of camp. And so it was funny because it was like, I feel like a lot of people escaped their parents for a week. And I do remember I had a little bit of like, oh, I just want to be known for me. I don't want to be known for my dad, <laughs> which was really fun. I like, mean, I was known as John's little sister. So yeah, we all it's have our looking, things. Looking back, some of my best memories with my dad were pretty different in some ways. And like, I love him. We're really similar in some ways in our very left-brained logicalness. But yeah, I have good memories. I just, that girl and the lying. And I, I think about it. I think about it a lot and how we just pushed people to be vulnerable to a point that was, it was too much. If you just had a normal story, 
that wasn't valuable and that wasn't cool and it wasn't worth talking about. Well, and asking a teenager to be vulnerable in front of other teenagers mm -hmm. without counseling or with therapy or somebody who knows how to help you navigate that. For me, having public speaking anxiety, that was a whole other thing to overcome. But then you're just being vulnerable in front of like sometimes hundreds of people. And, there's no and then you're going to go up. To there's breakfast no, with them like, the next morning. <laughs> like it's weird. Yeah. I don't know how many people are going to listen that haven't been to Christian camp, but it was centered around these things. And it was like built and designed to make you break down barriers and leave it all behind. And it was, we're going to be radical for the Lord and everything. Right. And when you leave it at the altar, mm -hmm. you're literally not supposed to talk about it anywhere else. Like well, It's just like... It, we're done. You have. I feel like you have the nighttime, especially. It's building to this nighttime, crying, mm -hmm. the soaring worship music, the what, the the fire, and but then you like get up the next morning and you're playing like weird eating games and like hitting your tables with your forks in the mess hall. Yes. Camp was such a weird because it was very silly. Like I remember being like all the weird eating, like you know, you make the count counselors like drinks some weird sludge of like where everyone. I remember at our camp it was like where people would scrape their plates like. You like some oh, like you fast not say what I think yeah. you're gonna say. Right, something disgusting. I just remember there was a lot of disgusting food stuff. Yeah, and the guys in in our camps were like one upping each other in the gross. Yeah, so level. many weird yeah. food. So it was like weird food dares and like watching your youth pastors like barf at lunch hour, and then at night we're all just like weeping and holding each other. So, you guys, if you didn't go. You really missed out. I'm just going to say, if you went to a cool camp where you got to like do robes courses and like kiss people of the opposite or same sex, that was not. That was not. Fun. You guys missed out. You were like indulging in the flesh and you were not getting right with the Lord and like reading your Bible and like looking over at the cute boy who then did become my boyfriend, Brian, Brian mm -hmm. Mercer. We were 15. He had braces. We didn't kiss a camp though. We waited until we went on a youth group trip to a water park. So Whoa. first kiss. Where you were park. wearing the bathing suit. Heck yes, I was wearing a bathing suit. Two-piece at that. A very <gasps> Whoa. It was a very wow. peaceful two-piece. So why did you ever have a two-piece as a teenager? Bitch, no. Are you kidding me? No, no me either. Mm -hmm. I, it's a hilarious culture shock thing that all, I so I spent so much time at camps and things like camps. And on purpose, and I loved doing that. And one of the times I was at camp, I fell in love for the very first time, like for real, real, but I'd already been engaged two times. And my second fiance, who I'd just broken up with right before we went to camp to be like the camp band and get paid money to be at Ponderosa Lodge for a whole summer was like amazing. But he was there. So it was kind of awkward while I fell in love with somebody else in front of him. That person and I went uh, to a lot of places. A funny thing about growing up in Oregon, all of our camps and in my conference, my free Methodist kind of world, it was always super modest. One piece bathing suits were allowed. At first point, there were two consecutive years where someone pooped in the pool and then we never could use it again for the whole week. <laughs> so there was no bathing suit happening there. <laughs> I love wearing bathing suits now because I'm like, Let's just do this. Who fucking cares? Sorry, I swear too much. No, why am I saying sorry? Okay, keeping yeah, on, keeping don't apologize. on. This is a safe Thank curse you. word space. It really it is. Everywhere that is in my heart is a curse word space. So I went from that experience of like most of the girls would be like wearing a giant t-shirt over your bathing suit. And of yeah, course, that like, was the holy way to do it. 
It is. That's how you live. Your and then it gets wet and like witness. sticks to your body and like the whole thing that you're trying to hide. Point True. Like doing a good job. Yeah. I yeah. never thought of it that way. So I didn't have the awareness to recognize it didn't matter at all that I was wearing it. And it was actually just making things more uncomfortable and I stayed cold forever. That yeah, was annoying. So hard to like, I can feel that wet. I hate. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. How so many worked- times I wore a t-shirt in the water is absurd. Yeah. Or even shorts too. Like what oh, yeah. in the world? Yeah. Don't wear the t-shirt, even if you didn't follow our earlier advice and grew boobs anyway. Yeah. So sorry yeah. if you have boobs. I have a daughter who's seven. She doesn't have them yet. Whatever. I'm going to raise you to be like proud of them. They're your, they're on your body and they're yours and they're whatever. yours. You mm-hmm. do you. Yeah. Yeah. And let's learn about bras and how to size them correctly earlier in your life. And let's make like breast 40. reductions more affordable and available to whoever would like one. Mm-hmm. Let's make this a breast reduction advocacy podcast because right. that is where I'm at as a person. Yeah. Uh, as so a I who has had one. I've got the tiny titties now, y'all. If you're thinking about it, holler at me. It's I cannot recommend it enough. Change. Yeah, Sarai and I are not jealous <laughs> at all. Well, no. we're like the big. We were the big boob Christian ladies club, and that is not a fun club. Not a fun club. Like a I'm dangerous. And if you love your boobs and you want them great, they cause me great amounts of back pain and headaches and clothing disasters. And also, of course, in the younger years, the fights that my mother and I would have about swimsuits and clothing were just insane. Which is why we went to camps that didn't allow. That's right. Things. Oh, I have to say this culture shock part. My first camp experience outside of Oregon, besides like Kansas area, like Midwest camps. I went, I actually spent my whole summer the first year I was in college driving around to different camps and being a counselor at random places and being a part of the band for a couple of years. The culture shock was going into California and seeing that the rules for campers were, you could wear basically whatever swimsuit you wanted to. So I would be a counselor in a cabin and a girl would be wearing a bikini and it was fine. Like all the campers could do that. The counselors had to wear one pieces that were modest, which I think is also interesting. But even just the fact that all these young women were running around in bikinis and it was fine was shocking. I could not believe it. I was like, California, whatever. You're (laughs) crazy. (laughs) What a time to be alive. I know we're raising our kids different. And, you know, my kid the other day said something to me about, are there churches that don't like gay people? That doesn't make sense to me, mom. She's like, you know how gays and they's go to our church? (laughs) Yeah. She's like, but other churches don't like them. And it's it's like blowing her mind. And I'm like, so grateful for the next generation that my, my hope and prayer is that they don't have to deal with the things. We have the mixed feelings about camp. There are good things that came of it. But ultimately, like looking back, it just it was manipulative and it was, it was, it, it was trying to create this generation of like on fire for the Lord kids. And I don't know that it really succeeded in that. Um, but it did succeed in a lot of makeout sessions. I will say uh-huh. that. So. Yeah. And, <laughs> and lusting after boy. And hu- I mean, they got a husband out of the deal. So, you know, I'm fine with it. We're right. yeah. So <laughs> praise the Lord for camp. As always, I love talking to you ladies. Hit us with your camp stories. Give me your testimony, people. I want to hear some testimonies. I want to hear, don't, don't make them up. They got to be true. (laughs) (laughs) And if you do make it up, I won't judge you. I promise. I've, I've grown a little. (laughs) I want to just go on the record to say I am 100% still in favor of camp, even though it's manipulative. Cause in the end it was just really, really fun. Go to camp for fun. Not for the Lord. That's my advice. That's right. Go for you. This has been (laughs) conflicted ladies who are, 
working our way through the bizarre experiences of evangelical childhood. It's been lovely talking to you both. It's been fun going down the camp road and talking about these weird, weird times being weird Christian kids. (laughs) And with that, we're out. This has been Holy Ghosting. Holy Ghosting is a same team media production. Music by Weep Bar. AP Weber produced the show. We'd like to give a special thanks to Meredith Hawley and Eris Conflict Resolution for consulting with us about our stories. If you have a story of abuse and you're worried about telling it publicly, they're available to help you tell your story in a way that keeps you safe. Find them at erisresolution.com. Thanks for joining us. And if you miss us in between shows, you can find us on socials posting almost every day at Holy Ghosting Pod, Instagram and TikTok.